0: Welcome to the Creative Rise Podcast, where we believe you deserve to break the creative struggle, and it should be simple.
1: We are so grateful you're here with us today. Let's dive in.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Creative Rise Podcast. So glad you are here today. We're about to get into a phenomenal conversation. Oh,
1: it's so good. You know that we love our guest episodes and... We did... Man, you guys, this episode is with Mike Payne from Arcade. Incredible agency owner.
0: Award-winning agency out of Canada. Scaled to 20 people.
1: 20 people. In the last couple
0: of years. Done really well. Partnered with his wife on it. So they've got a really cool dynamic there. He's an advertising expert. He's phenomenal at problem solving. We talk everything from like... What does it look like to scale? How do you really? He goes into a really, really good analogy about problem solving all the way into yeah. like how to develop an offer, how to start a conversation with a client to diagnose their problem. We go into everything on this conversation. You're not gonna want to miss a second of it. So listen all the way through. He gives some little secret advertising tips at the end that yeah. uh, we kind of just threw that question out there. So make sure you listen all the way through. And yeah, other than that, this is a really fun conversation. Yeah, can't wait to get you in on it. Here's our combo with Mike. What's up, Mike? As he takes a drink of water for anyone who's watching video, (laughs) I start right as he's taking a sip from his Nalgene. Welcome to the (laughs) show, bro. How are you doing? I'm
2: doing great. I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. By the way, let's set the record straight right now. Are you a like hardcore Nalgene guy? Was that a Nalgene I saw? I'm pretty sure that was a Nalgene. This is a Nalgene.
2: It's a, it's one that we got for Waves, which is our podcast. And we did a bunch of like, Come custom on. stickers. Hey! Yeah. Come on. Custom stickers on the Nalgene. That's yes, We gotta get some
1: stickers for Creative Rise. I that's, know, that's awesome. That's iconic.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> Dude, welcome to the show today. We're so glad you're here. Can't wait to just get through this conversation. Christy and I are going to learn a lot. Yeah. Um, our viewers are going to learn a lot. And maybe you'll even learn something in the process Probably. of you communicating parts of your story. couple rapid fire questions. We do this with all of our guests as we get into stuff. First one's really simple, like one word answers or as short as you can keep it. Let's go through quick. Where are you from?
2: I'm from Ontario, a little place called Sarnia, Ontario, right are by the actually? border. I had no idea. I am. I thought you were born and raised Alberta guy. No sir I uh, moved to Alberta in twenty seventeen never lived there before that so wow um i hey. I don't I didn't live for a long time in Ontario, but um, it still feels like home when I go there. I love Toronto, although uh now Quebec I feel like is rivaling it for me i We went to Montreal last fall, Mitzi and I, my wife and partner and man Montreal is wild, such a such a fun yeah, place! Yeah, I to be.
0: actually have never been. Christy and I. I almost know we want to you gotta the go. Got to go summer, but it didn't work. We want to yeah. go. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you're from Ontario, but you now live in Alberta.
2: I do Calgary, Alberta. Nice,
1: Calgary. amazing, amazing. Okay, second question: What do you do?
2: Yeah, very so simple.
1: very simple. What do you do?
2: I'm one of two partners at Arcade, and uh, we're a digital agency. We specialize in social media, email marketing, and and paid media for typically e-commerce brands. Although these days. We're trying to carve out a little bit more space in the entertainment world
1: love wow, it cool. that's so cool And I then love it. how long have you personally mike been in the creative industry
2: since 2012 i went to school at the edward school of business expected to be an accountant and then i took Come one on. accounting class and i was like there's no way uh, and then i <laughs> discovered marketing i took a marketing class thought it would just be an easy one and then i was like yo i could do this forever so i just stuck with marketing and then got my first job in sales but Quickly decided I wasn't a huge fan of that, partly because of the industry I was in. And then just started a creative agency on the side with one of my best friends part-time. And then eventually uh, went full-time with it.
0: I love it. Okay. Last question. What's something in business that you have flopped it's our favorite question. Put it out on the table. How can we all humanize you before this conversation? Oh, because goodness. have all had a flop or
2: two or many flops.
1: Or many belly flops.
2: I've had many flops. Uh, I try to forget them because I, I prefer to focus <laughs> on the the positive things. But Probably one that smart. happened in the last couple of years that was really public-facing was uh, we had just brought on a new client during COVID and it was a, one of the top health systems in the US. We're, we still have them as a client, fortunately. We had to put out these, these social posts that was a partnership with another really like publicly present entity in the US. And uh, it was focused on a patient story at this health system. And the creative went out. The creative was all approved. It went out. And for some reason, it cropped so weird that it cut the guy's head off in the image. Oh. And... Oh. There was no explanation, but it was obviously our fault, um, and so that was like early in our relationship. And I didn't know if we were going to come back with that from that. But wow, oh, we did. If you
1: could come back from the headless ad.
2: I know. You come exactly. back from anything. Yeah, it was wow. like
0: a brand so, like partnership. The, yeah, yeah. So like the social yeah. platform just like glitched and cut off the head or something.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you know on Twitter, it's not like this anymore. But usually, when you would post a asset that wasn't like. Landscape, it would just yeah. crop in preview to be landscape, but okay. then if you clicked it, it would still expand to be the full image. Right, yeah. But I don't know what happened with this one. It 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 cropped it like the preview usually does, but then when you clicked it, the guy's head still wasn't there. So it was oh just- my god, <laughs> you
1: could just claim it was for client confidentiality. I think that <laughs> yeah. that would have oh just really sealed. Okay, the deal. <laughs> so
0: you you just said something there that I think is so interesting that we could do a whole other podcast on. But you said it was your fault. You said, you know, it was kind of out of our control, but again, it's still our fault. I love that you right. said that. Yeah. We got so many other questions we want to move into, but I'm such a fan of statements like that because I'm so in the same boat. It's like at the end of the day, it's always your fault. It's always right. your fault. You know, how yeah. how can you push it over the line and, and make sure it gets there? Why do you have that perspective? And how did that perspective yeah. actually save you that client in like a minute, let's do this, and then we'll move into everything yeah. else? Because that's really interesting. Yeah, I and think why, it, hold on. And why should other creatives really grasp that that ideology as
2: well? Yeah, because I think that's just like a team mentality, you know. And also because as the for us being in social media, when if we're the ones clicking post, you know, we're the last line of defense. So even if with that client and other clients, if we get creative from someone else or copy from someone else and something goes out and it's an error, it's it's still something that we need to own because we're the last line of defense. And I think that's always going to be what salvages the relationship. If you're obviously pointing fingers in other directions and try to do anything but accept responsibility, then that's not a relationship that's going to last a long time. So fortunately, we came back from that. And also that client specifically, quality assurance isn't a sexy topic to talk about, but that client on their own has been, Absolutely pivotal in forcing us to develop a really airtight quality assurance process for all of the content that we distribute that we never even really had as a process previous mm-hmm. to that relationship. So yeah, wow, it's been so a good, good steep learning curve. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So cool. little little blip, but that's probably given you guys, you know, a huge upside. And like you just said, even the quality assurance stuff that it's that's right. forced you to build. That's phenomenal Some going forward. First, okay. So uh Mike, you're a dad, you're a yes, husband. Sir. You're you're super creative. You love coffee, correct?
1: You coffee have a guy. lot of
0: beverages, yeah. Coffee's I one of like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're just in that whole scene of like you got all that stuff going on and then you're also like you said you're a you're a co-founder, you're a partner with your wife right. in an award-winning digital agency specializing in strategy, content production, social media and email marketing. That's a lot of stuff. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Thank what you. got you to where you are today? We're going to talk about lots mm-hmm. of different things on that journey in, in a few minutes here. But in the next like two minutes, just describe to us where did you kind of start? Where did you kind of go? And how did you end up where you are today, owning an award winning agency that's, yeah. that's been absolutely skyrocketing, especially through COVID, right? Like you guys, I remember yeah. watching the growth through COVID. It's been amazing to watch. It's been so fun to watch. What got you here? Where did you start?
2: I started like everybody else. I think like I just realized I was excited about something and I want, I would way rather w- make money from something I was, I'm excited about than just like clocking in at a job. You know, I feel like anybody can relate to that, especially these days. That's so good. So that's where I started. And I, I found a friend to do it with. I think I, you two are obviously partners and, uh, I'm a really big cheerleader for partnerships. I just feel like doing what we do in a silo by ourselves is almost. Just like a futile mission, you know. There's obviously people that have done the solo printer route or the sole proprietorship route and succeeded, but for me, it's not going to happen. You know. So finding a good partner, someone that I trusted right out of the gate, was absolutely huge for me. I mean, we did it part time. We didn't rush it. We did it on the side. We allowed it to be more of like a hobby or a passion, and just kind of treated it as trial and error. And as we learned some lessons and started to get a better sense of that unique thing that we brought to the space we were trying to, trying to have authority in, then from there, it it was pretty obvious at every step, like how we, how we move forward from here. You know, I don't know. Does that answer your question or do you want me to?
0: Yeah, that's great. I I love love that. that. I love what you said. You're a fan of partnerships because um, we talk a lot about on this podcast being a solopreneur. Most people that listen to this podcast are mm-hmm. solopreneurs, and I think just to clarify, I love how you said you're a fan of partnerships. Pretty much what I heard you say was for where you were trying to go, right? Like you weren't as I'm assuming as you started this. I know you said you started kind of as a hobby and it, it gradually built into what it is now, but you probably still at some level had had some kind of conscious goal of like, but, but I, if I'm going to do this, I, I really want to do it and I want to do it right. And I want mm-hmm. I want it to be big. Right. Yeah. Versus a lot of people, I think solopreneurship either works for them because they're like, well, I don't need it to be Massive. If it can just pay for my living, you know, slightly and it can do this, then I'll be happy. If I get to do what I love and make 60 grand, that'll be amazing. Mm -hmm. Totally. Or you probably had a different perspective in mind. A lot of people do. So that's really cool. It's a cool, you know, way you define that you're a fan of partnerships. And then for some people, solopreneurship is awesome. So Mm -hmm. here's what I want to talk about. I'm just going to rip through a couple topics and then we're going to go from the bottom up. Okay. So you own your business with your wife. Yes. Big fans of that. Obviously. We love that. I, I think. Humans are designed to work with people they are so close with. That's my my take on it. Can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. So what a beautiful way to live life. You've built a team of 20 people. I think Insane. the last time we had chatted about this just loosely, or I'd even seen it on your story. Maybe we didn't chat about it. You were at like 14, and I was like, wow, like this dude has exploded through COVID. Now you're at 20. That's crazy. We're gonna Wild. talk about that. We're gonna talk about advice for people hiring their first person. Hopefully, advice for people, you know, once there are a few people in and how you manage that. Mm. We want to talk about. In order to get to a team that size, obviously, you have to have the right packages, the right services, the right offers for people. You know, If your offers are confusing, the marketplace is not going to take it up. You're never going to scale. Definitely want to talk about that. And then the last thing that we're actually going to start with is... I was blown away when we were on Clubhouse when we first connected. In a room with a mutual friend on Clubhouse, RIP Clubhouse. What oh, a great time. What that a, was a wild what ride. Three weeks. What a time a, to be alive. An amazing three weeks. But yeah. that is where you and I first connected. And I remember we were talking to think about problem solving in the room. And you came in and you were just like, yo, I got this analogy. And you were, you were speaking this analogy so clearly. And everybody in the room was just like, Oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Uh, and I just would love for you to kind of quickly talk about that analogy again and talk about not only what it is, but why it's so foundational to any success you've had and why it's so foundational to any success we've ever had or we're ever going to have and anybody who's listening is ever gonna have. Because when I heard you say that, I was like, Okay, he's literally putting a beautiful analogy to everything I believe in so strongly got to have them on the podcast to talk about it. So it started in a doctor's office. Why don't you talk about how that all goes down? Because it was yeah. beautiful.
2: Yeah. And first, I got to say, I can't take credit for the analogy. I got to give credit to a guy named Blair Enns, who he's an author. Um, I don't know if cool, you cool. two have heard of him, but... No, I have um, I'll write that down. Yeah. He wrote a book, super easy read for creatives and agencies specifically called The Win Without Pitching Manifesto. And it sounds... Wow. I feel like the title, it sounds like something you wouldn't want to read, but when you get into the book, it's so, it just makes it so plain. And I've really, we've really built our agency around the principles in that book. And part of it is that analogy. It all comes down to positioning. Um, The analogy of the doctor's office is like you would never go to a doctor's office with an already prescribed illness and just tell them, this is the drug I need, you know, they would laugh at you or, or they'd tell you to go somewhere else, but really a doctor, because they're so they're such an expert in their field and they know like the human anatomy so intimately that no matter whether you have an opinion or not, when you walk into their office, they're going to ask you a series of questions and they're going to determine exactly what the issue is and prescribe a solution. And, and they don't have to do it in a way that's abrasive, especially if you come in with an opinion about, about what you might be dealing with. Because obviously what you feel and what you're experiencing is real and it matters and it helps them figure out what the solution is. But really it comes down to the same thing with creative and like marketing and everything. Like if you are going to, as the service provider, establish yourself as the expert, or in this case, the practitioner, then you need to establish that that expertise in the first conversation. So when that client or that prospective client steps into your office or jumps on that Zoom link or whatever, no matter what their opinion is about what they need or, or what they've already prescribed based on their experience, sometimes based on bad previous relationships with agencies or creatives, you need to kind of take the like have the authority and have the confidence to take a step back and say okay let's slow down here let me ask you a few questions let me really understand where you're at as a business or as an entrepreneur and then we can agree on what the solution is and that minute difference really sets the stage for a long-term like flourishing relationship because now you're in the position of trust and if they don't agree you know, if they, if they feel like, no, that's not, that's not where we want to go with this, then you have the opportunity right there to just part ways and not go through the headache of trying to like play this game of tug of war of like who's in charge, like who's the expert, you know, all that stuff. So that could have saved me a lot of headache with my first venture into the, the agency space. Um, and it's really been a big part of our success in this current one. So.
0: I love that. That's amazing. So good. So well said. Oh, I yeah. love, I love how you said that. And one of the other things that that does, you know, uh, and I want to ask you how you do that in a second. But one of the other things that that does, we say this all the time at Creative Rise, you've got to diagnose, don't assume, right? When someone comes to you, diagnose their problem, don't just mm-hmm. assume their problem, and it often leads to a much more uh, profitable, you know, outcome, even for you, right? Like there's, it's often a bigger deal. Someone comes yeah. to you and says, "Hey, we want to." Three thousand dollar video, and then you go. Yeah, you need a video, but you also need a, a social strategy. You need a distribution strategy, organically and paid, and you need someone to execute that. Here's a you know eight and a half thousand dollar retainer per month for the next six months. Like that's a totally different. You know financial position you're being put in to potentially receive and it's a much better ideally result for the client so not only Mm. does it does it help the client so much when you take on that personification of i'm the expert on the doctor let me diagnose you rather than assume but brilliant i love it so mike how do you this might be the question that people are sitting here asking and i would love to know this as well and I know this is probably a long, you know, a long process. So let's not spend too much time on it because we've got a lot of other stuff we want to get to. But how do you start that process? And maybe what's one or one or two questions yeah. that really help you diagnose and really help you set that stage for how do I really make sure that I know the problem? Because a lot of the times we get DMs all the time from creatives going, "How do I diagnose someone's problem? Like, how do I make sure?" that I'm solving the right thing. Cause we talk all day. How do I all, all find day. the problem? We talk all day. Like you got to give solutions. You don't sell services. You sell solutions. We're like, well, how do I make sure that I'm selling the right solution? So in your mind, what's one of the first couple things you do to make sure you're really going to get to the right, you know, diagnose,
2: diagnostic diagnosis. Right? Yeah. Diagnosis. Yeah. Honestly, from my perspective, as long as I can avoid the, the really practical questions till the very end, like that sets me up for success to get the actual context because i think if we just address the practical elements of why they came to me or came to us in the first place or came to you as a videographer or a photographer in the first place then you're already kind of like ahead of the context but Mm, for us i feel like you kind of need to start at the beginning so it's almost like a podcast interview like you get right on there and you just kind of ask them for the backstory. Like, how did you get here? Why are you even doing this? And like, what does long-term success look like for you? Not just like, what's, what's the thing you're trying to figure out what right now, but like paint the picture for me. And once I know the picture, then we can kind of get, start to understand like where are the gaps or what's the divide we're trying to cross. Mm. And then we can get into the practical questions because we've isolated the problem, you know? So Yeah. yeah, that's really it for me. Like, and I feel like I'm not a typical salesperson. Like I think a lot of people have their sales process, and they may even for their offer, they may have it really templatized, and that can work from like a logistics standpoint. But from a perception or like communication standpoint, no client wants to feel like they're coming in to work with you, and you're just fitting them into a template. You know, so of yeah. Um, yeah. that's Put where I think the context system. conversation helps a lot. So then it really feels like the practical side of it, like. What kind of services are we going to deliver to you? Like, what are the benchmarks? What are we trying to achieve? How do we define success? That's the last piece of the conversation. And it's built on the the whole picture that you've already painted in that conversation. I love that. That's so good.
0: That's... Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah,
1: I just think... I think it's so important how you connect the personal side to build trust but then it also building that even personal side really does give validity to your painkillers that you're giving them right mm-hmm. like I love how you flow from like let's not talk about logistics let's not talk about how many hours it's going to take us or what our pricing is going to be right at the front end of the conversation and I think that's where people get they get nervous on sales calls or like initial uh consultations they get nervous so they just start talking about logistics. I feel like right. that's like the first thing people go to. So I think setting yourself up for like a list of questions. That's not about logistics that you start with will help lead to a much more productive conversation. Yeah. I think that's so smart. I love yes. it. So to
0: wrap that up, what's the like the one thing you would say to a creative who asked you the question, Mike, how do I make sure I'm diagnosing a problem? Well, how do you summarize everything you just said? If there's like a fit, it was put on a billboard. What would it be?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think really just understand the person and the picture. Mm. So if you understand the person in the picture, then you, you can easily identify the problem. Yeah. That's yeah. really
1: good. Yeah. Kind that. of understanding the past and their future, which is cool.
2: Totally. Yeah. A lot That's of keywords so- in there. Yeah.
0: Seriously. <laughs> a little acronym coming out of there. So Come on. you've built an agency, an award-winning agency with 20 people working for you. That's phenomenal. The only way, I'm assuming the only way to get there is by being a great problem solver, like you just talked about, and building problem solving into the DNA of your organization. right? So everyone feels like they're a part of the team as making up one problem-solving unit. In order to then do that, once you've solved the problems, you obviously have to you know, put the painkillers in front of them and say, Hey, here's what we want you to buy. This is what's going to help you. And we would call that... You know, those are your offers. right? Those are the... Right. You got your services is what you do you've got you know your your solution is what they get and then your offers are like the they're like the vehicle that you know the are you're going to take people you know through in order to get the painkillers and if those aren't packaged properly if it's confusing if it looks like you know money's falling out, different cracks here, and everything's not accounted for, that can be that can be an easy roadblock for a client to move forward with you, right? So, I'm assuming as you've built your agency, you've also had to put a lot of effort into going, how do we really simplify, clarify? And make sure what we're passing on to them is really results based. Talk a little bit about how important you think that is for creatives, you know, in this space, to make sure that their offers are clear, make sure their offers are actual solutions. You know, a lot of people try and sell offers that the other person doesn't need. I always say, don't sell corn to a corn farmer. He doesn't need your <laughs> right. corn, right? Yeah. So like, how do you at Arcade make sure that you're diagnosing properly, which we just talked about, and then that next step of going, okay, now that we've diagnosed, how do we then go find the prescription for them? And then how do you deliver that to prescription? What do you think are some things that really help you do that well?
2: You know what What I like about practitioners or like doctors in general is that they're usually a specialist in something. I know you, you, you've got your family doctors that are more general, but you also have people that are really specific about the type of body that they focus on or like the type of surgery that they focus on or the type of treatment or even naturopaths. Like it's more of a natural approach rather than a drug-based yeah. approach. And I think any creative or agency should have the same approach. I started an agency in in 2012. It's different than the one that I have now. It was called Fancy. That was the one I started with my friend. And I think what we did well at that point was we understood what we were good at. And we also thought about, okay, where is there a gap? Like what specific part of the body or part of the industry do we want to focus on? And for us at that time, it was startups. Um, So, we created what we called a startup package because we took the time to really understand that specific Part of the anatomy or the industry Um, and we understood that the pain points were that startups needed everything up front right away but they didn't necessarily have the funds to pay for everything up front right away so we created this package Mm -hmm. that essentially financed everything over 12 months but it allowed us to deliver everything they needed in the first one to two months so they had everything they needed for launch but then they weren't they weren't bleeding themselves drive cash right at the beginning that was something we did right but what we what we did wrong was like the pricing. We didn't charge enough cause we were young and we didn't, mm-hmm. we still felt like we we had imposter syndrome. We had a lot to prove, right. but we also tried to do too much for those, those businesses. And mm. kind of at the time, I think it was pretty popular to show up as an all service or a full service marketing agency. Totally. So that it okay. felt like that's who we were competing with, but we didn't realize mm. we were kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by becoming generalists in what, in the service that we were delivering. So we were pretty specific about who we were doing it for and like the problem that we were solving. But our miss was that we were becoming generalists and we were doing it for cheap. So then when we started Arcade, that was kind of our opportunity to say, okay, we did these things right, but we did these things wrong. How do we fix that? We came into the industry as a digital agency, knowing that digital was the future that we didn't really want to dabble in print or more of like, traditional approaches to marketing and advertising. And we also were really specific still about who we were doing it for. So at the time it was for e-commerce brands, direct to consumer products, and even more specifically like lifestyle and fashion and beauty brands. So that was our, our cup of tea. We knew we could nail that every single time. So also you come into conversations with prospective clients in that sense, as like you already have part of the context because you know exactly the type of brand that you're talking to so the only difference is like their unique story what are they specifically passionate about or what specific problem are they solving with, with their business or their product so there was less variables in that situation and then as far as our actual offer it still sounds like a lot of services when you talk about strategy and content production and distribution on a variety of different channels like social or email or advertising for example yeah. but when you kind of funnel that into a really specific type of client and as one package, then it doesn't really feel like a generalist. It still feels like, okay, this is a digital expert that specializes in my kind of company and they already know how to reach my kind of audience and they already understand what I'm thinking about and what problems I'm trying to solve. So, that's where it felt like we did it right this time. And then, yeah, I think we're still young too. Like we don't have as much experience as a lot of other agencies. So one thing that we talk about a lot is like, you can be a leader before you're an expert. And that comes back to that whole like practitioner kind of thing too. Like the most important thing outside of their expertise is that they know how to lead the conversation and make you feel safe and make you feel cared for. So for the people listening that aren't yet experts, like they might be new to this, they might be in their first couple of years or first hundred thousand dollars in a year kind of thing. Just practice being a leader before you're an expert have that offer defined, yeah, but really that. just focus on empathy and understanding and like confidence in the decisions that you're making so that the client feels yeah. cared for. And if you have that relationship and that trust, like you'll always get more, more cash, more revenue out of those, those relationships mm-hmm. than you would just from like, just closing the deal on a video rather than mm-hmm. understanding the whole yeah.
1: picture.
0: Oh, so good. That's sweet. Man, that's a great answer. So I, I that.
1: so I know you talked about, okay, like last, agency, you felt like you kind of niche yourself into a box you didn't really want to be doing, or you were doing way too much for way too cheap. And then you've now moved into something where, you're okay, we found kind of our bread and butter and we love it. When it comes to scaling, and I know you get really excited about scaling and so do we. We really love talking about how do you scale your business. For the people that are listening that are like, Hey, I've got something really small, but I really want to blow it up. When it comes to scaling and when it comes to offers, are you very like, we really customize like our packages for our clients. Mm-hmm. We customize our offers to each individual client we get based on their pain points to give mm-hmm. them the right painkiller. Or do you guys set up like... Here's what we do. Here's our 3 packages. And they can pick from the 3 packages. That way, it's simplistic and it just grows really fast when it's really clear. Hmm. Where have you found the most success? For the person listening that's like, I'm trying to develop packages or do I just do everything really customized? customized yeah. Which right. one of those have you guys leaned into more and have you found that that Or helps? a mix?
2: Is it a mix? It's. I was going to say, I, it's basically both. I've done... Cool either on its own before like with the first agency i had it was all about packages um, and splitting Mm -hmm. it up and financing it and then when we started arcade it was really like okay let's really understand the solution and give you a custom quote or custom proposal based on what the problem is and like that worked sometimes you're kind of going all in on that proposal when it's just one customized solution yeah and i don't think it's because i don't think that fails because clients don't want custom solutions but i think they also mm. want to understand what the spectrum is and that's where we've kind yeah. of found the middle ground so we'll typically provide package options with the caveat of hey these aren't the be-all end-all of how we deliver our service but this it un- helps you understand the spectrum from like the canoe to the yacht and likely mm-hmm. you're not going to need the yacht today but you're, you yeah, are in the future. Like once we get our hands dirty and we do some stuff together, like we're going to grow to the yacht. Um, but you yeah. also likely don't want to just start with the canoe. Cause it's going to take you forever to get to the other side of the lake, you know? Um, right. so there's this, yeah, yeah, there's this middle ground that, that we're yacht, shooting baby. for. Yeah. There's this middle yeah. ground that we're shooting for, even though it's three packages, we expect for it to be the, the middle one, the second one. And we try mm, to, we yeah. also kind of build the canoe and the yacht in a way to like push them towards the middle one as yeah, well. Price anchor. Yeah. 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 That's
1: super great. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I like the mix. It just is, again, so client first, which is really cool. You guys are willing to be flexible with your clients, which mm-hmm. I think is a huge key to growing your business, obviously. Dude, Mike's crushing
0: right. the analogies. I love the I love the canoe to the yacht thing. Too. To
1: the like, yacht. Man, I
2: eat that up all day. Come that on. i think thinking analogies, so um, I'm going to be feeding yeah. them for sure. That's great. Brilliant. I love, I love it.
1: it. I feel like this this conversation is even chronological and it goes like, okay, how do you at the outset figure out how to be a problem solver? Then how do you give people the offers and then that'll help grow your company. And so let's talk about growth. Let's talk about how you've built this team of 20 people, which is huge for creative industry. That's so cool. Kind of, what's some of your advice for people who are looking to expand? They're going, I'm a solopreneur right now and I'm looking to hire the first person. Mm-hmm. What's your advice for someone who's looking to expand into a team-based business rather than a solo business? Cause those are super different. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for telling someone like, Hey, you're ready when this, this, yes. this.
2: Great question. Yeah. I think the easiest answer to you're ready when is just like, you can't do it all yourself anymore. Or like maybe your are things are slipping through the cracks. You're making mistakes or um, you feel like the, the service or the product you're delivering isn't the fruition of what you believe you're capable of. Really, yeah. those are warning signs of like you're stretched too thin. And then gotcha. like the the That's what good. or like how do you expand from there? How do you hire your first employee or contractor or whatever or partner? Really, I think th- through trial and error and I, I'm still learning as I go, but through trial and error, I would say focus first on hours and like time that you can bill for or like a skill that you can bill for. Like, for example, it would be tempting, I think, for some solopreneurs to say, okay, the next step is I'm going to hire an assistant. But an assistant isn't really billable. You know, it's helpful. Mm. Mm -hmm. It it saves a lot of the monotonous tasks that you don't really want to do because you want to be a specialist. You want to be designing something or creating something. But that doesn't really their time doesn't really land on an invoice that you send a client, you know? So what is yeah. actually the, the skill or the job function that you can hire out to someone that has skill and ability that actually amplifies the work that you're doing and then mm. their time can land on that client's invoice instead of being, I just love a, that. An operating expense for you.
0: I love that. Um, so that would be like, I'm hiring an editor. I'm a, I'm a wedding photographer and
2: I'm hiring an editor because well, exactly. that's going to give me so much more time back. Yeah. And that's hard, hard. That's scary. A, That's that's scary. Like as a photographer or a videographer or something like that to say to, for someone who's known by their customers as having a certain style and maybe that's why they're being hired. It's scary Mm -hmm. going out and trusting that to an editor. But if you can take the time and do that work and like try a few different people and, and invest the time knowing that there's this like long-term outcome from it, that if they nail it, suddenly your life gets so much easier and you can just be a shooter and you can Mm. just be the person with the relationship that makes a huge difference and suddenly you're passionate about it again you know it's not just yeah it's not like you're a slave to the creative so yeah totally what would you say to the
0: person who's going basically addressing almost what you just said but what would you say to the person that's going oh i'm drowning in my business mike i'm not delivering the products that i know i could and i also just don't have time to do everything anymore but i i can't make that jump. Right. Like, I'm just too scared. And we find that's a lot of creatives, right? Because mm-hmm. they can't give up the creative control on things. And so what they do is they hire VAs, they hire assistants. <laughs> and there's totally a place for that. For some people, that's like works, right? Because they're not administrative. And so that's that's right. really they pulling them it. back. But I love how you said, hire something that's billable, right? Because that's actually going to be traction and moving your, your product forward and moving your experience forward. What do you say
2: to that person who just can't make that jump? I would say you can, (laughs) there you go. I feel like sometimes you feel like you're in this like stuck between a rock and a hard place and there's no solution, but sometimes that's a little bit short-sighted and I don't want to oversimplify it, but there's gotta be a long-term solution. And I think anytime we feel like we're just giving more than we, than we have, or like the output exceeds like whatever inputs we're getting, like we're not taking any time off. We don't have time for our family. We don't have time for our friends we're a slave to this thing. Is that a short-term problem like with an end in sight? Or is that just the way you build your business isn't working and it's never going to resolve unless you change something drastically? I think really understanding that first is absolutely crucial because... Every entrepreneur or solopreneur is going to have to go through that kind of period in their business at some point, but there needs to be a light at the end of the tunnel because if there isn't, you're going to burn out. But if there is, you can really push through like any athlete or or artist, you know, or so, an author writing a book, they're going to hit roadblocks, but they know there's an end, there's a final chapter, you know, so... That's really important. And whenever I'm talking to people that are earlier in that process than me, that's kind of the advice that I'm giving. And then once they understand, okay, is this a short-term issue or a long-term issue, they know either I have to make a drastic change in my business. Maybe I even have to get a part-time job so that I have the cash flow to be able to like make some of these more sizable changes. Or if this is just a short-term thing, I just need to buckle up and and, like push through it. And then on the other side is the solution, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope that makes sense.
1: That's Love great. It. That's really good. Yeah.
0: Why don't we why don't we talk about working with your significant other or working with a partner just in general? And then I actually am going to add one more question I just came up with uh, on the back end of that. I think it's gonna be really fun. But Mike, talk to us about working with... For you, it's your spouse. Whether this is a, a brother, whether it's a cousin, whether it's a best friend, whether it's a girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband. Why do you choose to work together and what what advice do you have for people that are wanting to do that, but they've always heard the statement, never work with family, right. never go into business with, with someone you love, right? What would you say to that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think never do anything is just a generalization that you don't want to listen to. You know, I think everything like that is so situational. And, and uh, I think like you want... If you're thinking about a partner... You want someone that you can trust, that you know has your back and that you know has the same outcome in mind, the same objective mm-hmm. and that it's more than just a function that earns them income. It's like something that they've really set out to do. Like it's it's an outlet mm-hmm. for what's inside of them, you know? Um, so totally, for me, the yeah. first agency I started, that was with my best friend and everyone told me don't go into business with your friends, but that was a really like for what it was a really fruitful partnership and we're still great friends, even though uh, we ended up buying them out eventually and then starting arcade. But, and then with my wife, I would say like, it's not for everyone, but I think if your only reason is that people have told you not to, that's not a good enough reason. If you, if there's alignment, if there's a parallel between the two of you and like what you're working towards and you both bring something unique to the table that you can allow that person to run in that, and then you can do your thing. And kind of like co-labor or like carry it together. Like Mm -hmm. that's magic when it, when it works, Mm. you know, but there has to be that empathy. Like we talked about with client relationships, there has to be trust. Mm -hmm. There has to be respect, but I think really respect comes from that unique thing that you bring to the table. If you're both kind of generalists Mm -hmm. and both trying to do the same thing and there's, there's just two of you, you know, that's not. There's no benefit to that partnership, but mm. like, she's really mm. the yin to my yang. And it seems like the same with the two of you, like we're good at very different things. So she can just trust me with mm-hmm. what I'm good at and I can trust her with what she's good at. And I really feel like she's the secret weapon to our business. Um, so I mm. couldn't do it without yeah. her. So that's yeah. a good question too, same. is like, can you do it without them? If you can't do it without them, mm. then you need them. And if you can, then either you don't need a partner or it needs to be someone else. Yeah. Dude, that's a phenomenal That's answer. great.
1: That's really really that's,
0: good. That's such a good answer. Okay, here's here's the last thing that I want to ask you. That's like planned and then we have we have two questions that are like show standard, you know, okay. famous questions on the sign-off questions. Sign-off questions. But uh you're an advertising expert. Your agency is an advertising, you know, award-winning advertising agency. There's a lot of panic right now with what it looks like to advertise your business now, and I, I want yeah. us to think. Let's let's niche ourselves into the into the conversation of small business owner under 300k, probably service provider, photographer, mm. filmmaker, graphic designer, social creative media strategist. Space. You know, people in the creative space. A lot of people are going organic does nothing. I don't understand paid. I don't have money for paid. Where do you think advertising is going right now, and what's your advice for people? that are kind of in that space and their first couple years of business. Or maybe they've been in for a while, but they're they're a service provider under... Let's even call it half a mil. Like, wh- how do you think they should be advertising their business, connecting with clients and, and getting those offers in front of people?
2: Yeah. Well, really as a creative or an agency, I almost don't know if you need advertising at all. And I think it definitely shouldn't be one of the first steps. I would say mm. like for a, a product or, or scalable service, that isn't very custom, like advertising is awesome. But really, we've never thought about advertising as a function for us as an agency to get more business. Um, Because, Mm -hmm. you know, like advertising isn't very personal. It is personal in the sense Mm -hmm. that like, if if I go on a website and I look at a product and I then get ads about it, like I'm getting those ads because I was interested in that product. That's as personal as it gets, right? But Mm -hmm. other than that, it's pretty like objective. And it's really just about like want versus uh, like solution. But for us, like we've always tried to, again, come back to more of a longer term perspective about the type of clients that we want to work with and how we want them to come into the fold of our agency. So we've more so thought about, okay, what's the best way to start a relationship right? To like even go into that first conversation with them feeling like they already know us and they know why they're talking to us. And really that comes down to content. So, and like really making sure that your content is more like, brand rather than selling for us, Mm -hmm. like TikTok, for example, is something we just got into in the last six months as an agency, just for fun, just to try it, just to learn it. But that's actually become one of our biggest like referral sources is just us goofing around on TikTok. And that's because there's a lot of brands out there that don't understand TikTok. They don't know how it would work for them, whether it's organic or paid. And they also just don't want to feel like an agency is desperate for their business. So mm. for us, it, it's, we've never had a sales call to action in any of our content. It's really been about delivering value or having fun. And sometimes we make fun of ourselves. Sometimes we make fun of our clients, never being specific, of course, but it's really just yeah. about showing who we are showing up and like making mm. it obvious that we're experts without having to say that, or like really talk people into believing it. Yeah. So yeah. As a, that's what I would think about as a creative or an agency or like a small team is, what kind of content that you can can you produce right now that's valuable it could be a podcast or a youtube channel or how can you just have fun on the channels that people love to spend time on mm. or in the yeah. context of whatever your deliverable is so if you're a videographer you know mm. like where is video happening you know where are people sharing the most mm. video where are people consuming the most video it's probably tiktok and i know that there's a lot right. of like directors and like videographers that feel some type of way about tiktok that it's like diluting the like Sanctity of video, and it might be, but I, they really want to be yeah, an entertainment platform. <laughs> get over it. Cause that's yeah. where your customer is, you know? So, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's what I think about as really like if advertising is meant to be part of the mix, if paid is meant to be part of the mix, it's likely one of the last steps and not the first one. I love it. Because yeah, yeah. if you yeah. build your business off of advertising and you do get leads or, or clients or sales from it, you're going to end up relying on it forever and being yeah. constantly afraid that if I turn off that switch or if I turn down that budget, it's that dead. all of that business is going to go away and you never want to be in that
0: kind yeah. of position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is master organic first, you know, and the page should be totally secondary. And And have just a longer term,
2: have a longer term perspective. So it's not just about like getting the sale. It's about showing who you are, establishing trust, Mm -hmm. not having to talk people into the fact that you're an expert, but it's just obvious based on the content.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I love how okay. you, you basically said just get on the platforms where your customers are and educate them, educate them on you know what that solution is going to do for their lives, what's their business going to look like when they mm. work with you, you know. And it's but it's not a hard sell. It's just it's just simple. It's value based content. I love that. Okay, second to last question.
1: Yeah, where can people find you? So, how if someone's listening to this, going, "This guy sounds amazing. I want to follow him. I want to follow his agency. Where can they find you?"
2: Yeah, so my handles are just Mike with three M's and three I's because obviously there's lots of mics out there, so I couldn't just get the, the straight up spelling. I love that. Most active on Instagram, I consume a lot on TikTok I, and Twitter. And then LinkedIn is the same handle, and I, I do a little bit more on LinkedIn too. Arcade, you can find us at Hello Arcade on TikTok or Instagram. Those are the primary two. And then we also have a podcast that, speaking of like creating content that yeah. adds yeah. value... You obviously have that figured out with Creative Rise, but that's something that we've been working hard on for the last few years. And that's called Waves sweet. Waves Social Podcast. So you can find us on Instagram or TikTok or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: That's sweet. I love it. And everyone listening will put that in the show notes as well. So you can yeah, hit that up.
2: Click on there,
0: down there and give that podcast a listen for sure. Thank you. Signature question. You've obviously well. I should start with this context because we've been talking about context today. Creative Rise exists to help people break the creative struggle. That's the why behind our organization. It's why Creative Rise exists because we've at our bat at breaking that. It's changed our lives. It's changed your life. Why should someone care enough? There's so many people on the fence. They get they work so hard and then they get nervous. Things start getting hard, or you know, seasons of of, of dryness come in the business, and and the struggle just continues and continues and continues. Why should someone care enough to break the
2: creative struggle the
0: same way you have?
2: Why should they do it? Why should they break the creative struggle? I think they should only break the creative struggle if if they know that they're passionate about it. If they'll just like if they're doing anything else they're going to be laying awake at night discontent and like feel like they're just killing time at their desk job whatever it is. I feel like especially right now I think about that a lot because it's harder than ever to hire hire great people and there's a lot of people leaving their jobs which i think in the long term is a good thing because people are starting to think about that like do i actually care about this or do is is like my heart like pulling me somewhere else and some people need more time to figure that out some people can actually like lay awake tonight and and answer that question if they're honest with themselves but if you're if you can look yourself in the mirror and say hey this is what i want to do more than anything else then absolutely you should break the creative struggle and uh find a way to do it and Sometimes that means asking for help. Sometimes that just means like doing the hard thing, but uh, it's different for all yeah. of us, but it's worth it for sure. Hmm.
1: Well, that's really cool. Oh, I love it. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Maybe we'll have to have you back on with your wife. That'd be really fun yeah, to do. Yeah, more of that. like a, di- a deep dive into like couples running businesses. That would be really fun, but we yeah, really Yeah, I'll just be quiet and time. listen
2: because she's a pro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate you. Thanks and, for being on the yeah. show,
2: brother. Thank you both. This was a pleasure.
1: Cool. Thanks, Mike.
0: Oh baby, what a good conversation with Mike. That was phenomenal. I learned so much, even just listening and asking oh, questions. Oh my gosh. This the best part of having guests on. You just get to learn things, it's just especially so, when they're so yeah. well-spoken like it's, Mike is.
1: It's literally so refreshing to be in a conversation with a creative who's doing stuff. They're actually in their own businesses, making things happen, making things work, breaking 100%. the creative struggle, 100%. doing such like intentional things within, what, in, within their business and actually succeeding and getting to ask those questions is just so fun to bounce ideas off of. I feel like we, were, we learned a, ta- a ton. I know the listeners, you guys learned a ton from that too. If you're somebody who actually really enjoys doing that type of stuff with other creatives, with other businesses, and you kind of get discouraged or maybe like a lack of creativity when you sit by yourself and only work by yourself in your business day in and day out, and you feel kind of like, man, I could succeed a lot more if I was around a group of creatives that were all pumped and willing to share with each other on how they could grow, we have something for you. That's something that we noticed in ourselves when we were growing our creative businesses. We noticed that in a lot of our friends alongside us that were trying to grow creative businesses is that when you're siloed by yourself, you just can't grow as fast as you could if you were surrounded by other creatives. Mm -hmm. So we formulated the Creative Rise Mastermind, which is our six-week signature course that's focused around coaching, community, and accountability. The three things that we really believe help grow and explode your creative business and we are launching our next one this fall. We're so excited. Like really
0: soon. Really, really soon. Really, really soon. Guys, phenomenal module library of stuff, content that you you, you can't find the stuff on the internet. You can't find yeah. it on YouTube. You know, it's it's the, the content you need to really grow that people just don't talk about enough tons of that stuff you get it for life weekly coaching calls a blast so fun this we get to meet the community you get to ask any question you want and so much more accountability groups the whole yeah. shebang so September 18th we start we kick mm-hmm. off September 18th this will be round 8 this will push us over 200 people that have gone through this which is just yeah. mind blowing as we watch people build 6 figure businesses and get to do it in a way where they feel so supported like it's just a phenomenal feeling so uh, we always feel so fortunate to get to, to launch this thing and get to see people coming in the door. It sells out every single time. And so if you're not on the waitlist for that, you got to get on the waitlist. If this is resonating with you, you have to get on the waitlist because the waitlist always fills it up. Uh, And the waitlist also gets early bird pricing and early access to apply. Now, why applications? Well... We always make things application only because we make sure... Part of our job is to protect the room, make sure the communal aspect is really, really healthy. And so we just go through those applications and make sure that the right people are going to be getting the right spots in the room. So if that's you, super easy to apply. All you got to do is go to creativerise.com. You'll see application buttons or you'll see uh, waitlist buttons buttons everywhere. Just jump on the waitlist. It takes 2 seconds and then we will be emailing you with updates on when applications go live. And then we'll see you in there getting kicked off on September 18th, which is going to be phenomenal. So, so can't fun. wait. Uh, yep. Guys, make sure you go follow Mike on socials. He's a blast to follow. He's got super sick style. So it's out of business stuff, he's just, he's just a fun guy to follow. And obviously he has a massive amount of educational content that comes out through Arcade and through him that can benefit your business. So go give him a follow. And other than that, we'll catch you on the next one.
1: Cool. See you next week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. We were so happy to have you here.
0: And do not forget to jump on iTunes give us a five-star rating and write a written review. That would mean the world to us. And we'll catch you next time on the Creative Rise podcast, where we believe you deserve to break the creative struggle and it should be simple. Peace.